Julian Assange, the editor and founder of WikiLeaks, is facing extradition from the UK to the USA at a trial commencing in London on Monday the 24th of February. A public rally will take place where we can call on all parties involved to end the torture of Julian Assange. Let's help bring home Melbourne's own Walkley Award-winning journalist. If he is extradited, he faces a secret military trial and a likely 175-year prison sentence, if not the death penalty. Please be on the right side of history and join us on Friday the 21st of February, 6.30pm at Victoria State Library. Rally is brought to you by Melbourne for WikiLeaks. Proud support. Hello and welcome to a Friday rave. Here we are on Community Radio 3CR. It's five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3CR, and this is a Friday Rave. Well, happy friggin' Valentine's Day, kiddies. Valentine's Day. You know, it was 17 years ago today, on a Friday, Friday the 14th of February 2003, that Melbourne led the world with, well, the biggest rally we've ever had in this city against going to war in Iraq. But we went anyway, you know, let's get that clear from the start. The rally was so big that it was uncountable. They closed the train stations because people were jammed up all the way from the train platform up to Swanson Street. And Swanson Street itself, well, bugger me, you couldn't um uh, you couldn't get anywhere near it. I um, went down there a couple of hours before the rally to just get things happening and um, couldn't get anywhere near the State Library. It was um, a problem we'd like to have all the time. And there was no real march to speak of because the street was so jam-packed from one end to the other that we couldn't move it. So I had to grab some marshals at one stage and we went down in front of the town hall and pushed some people forward and some people backward just so we could have a shot of the front banner for the media. Anyway, that weekend, rallies around the world um, happened with tens of millions of people, but the war continued. You know, it was a, a funny time. It was always axiomatic that if you had enough people on the streets, something would happen. Wrong. It was a funny one. The first time we had a Friday night, big one in Melbourne, and... Um, Late the year before, a few of us renegades were planning a little gig on a Friday night. Um, being Valentine's Day, we thought doing a make love, not war kind of thing with a few bands, sort of retro, would be a sweet thing. But then when the international community called for a weekend of rallies on the 15th and 16th, well, it took a bit of convincing the Victorian Peace Network to stick with the Friday night. You'd never get people out on the Friday night after work. Yeah, most of, most of you, um, who were probably there, most of you'd remember 3CR's own Bill Della. May he rest in peace and harmony. 
Well, together Bill and I managed to get it through the Victorian Peace Network and the rest of it, as I say, is history. Now, it would have been just as huge if we went on Saturday afternoon, as per normal, but I'm sure that coming out on a Friday night early and having a big gig in the media played at least a small part in convincing some of the people who were maybe coming, maybe not, in other cities to come out. Friday nights have now, of course, become the usual thing here in Melbourne, right up to the recent climate rally in the storm. Remember that a few weeks back? I wasn't involved in organising that one. I did drive the stage and helped up the PA and talk to the coppers and stuff. And look, for those of you who don't know, um, other side of what I do, most of the big rallies these days, and even the little ones, have sound powered by the Renegade Solidarity Sound System, which is a project of me mate Joe Lawback and I. You know, from the kick-ass sound that powered the middle of the Invasion Day rally to the little portable speakers at the No War in Iran rally the week before, and even the Extinction Rebellion dance parties, Renegade Solidarity Sound was there. You probably didn't notice us. Well, because generally it all goes off without a hitch, and most people only really notice the sound when it fucks up. Oh, admittedly, the storm at the climate change rally caused us some problems, but um, this is just an aside, but pretty soon we're going to do a crowdfunder to help us repair some gear and to rent a shed for its storage, so... As I said, I'm on the road soon, so we need a storage space in Melbourne. So when you get a notice, either by mail, phone or social media, asking you to kick in a few bucks a month, do it. Not for us, but for just about every rally for every cause on the left, even the ones you don't manage to get to. In a way, it'll be a bit like becoming a subscriber to 3CR, and there's the, there's the, the hook, what is it? It's subscriber drive this week. By subscribing to 3CR, you keep the station on air. And not just the shows you listen to, but all of them. There are plenty of shows I don't listen to, but I'm still glad they happen. So subscribe to 3CR today by calling 94198377. Stick a 03 before that if you're listening online um, from outside of the state. Or go to 3cr.org.au. Kick into the community chest, and it being Valentine's Day after all, show the station some love, you know. We need it, mate. Now, next Friday night, the 21st, the Renegade Solidarity Sound System will be back at the State Library again, but there won't be thousands of people. You probably won't even come yourself, though of course you should. Not to check out the new format, the staging, the lights, the sound, screen... Not even to hear the good people speaking, pollies and activists, journos and doctors, both live and via video across from London. Not even to hear the band. You should come out to the State Library next Friday night because on the following Monday, the 24th of February, the extradition trial of Julia Assange begins. Now, I've talked about this a lot, and I'm not going to dedicate another whole show to it. But Julian is being held in Belmarsh Prison, a prison built for terrorists and murderers solely because the United States government wants to take him back to the US for a secret trial for exposing their war crimes, for which they reckon he's up for about 175 years, but Christ, even if it's a quarter of that, still a life sentence. But that's why, that's the only reason for exposing their war crimes. You can read the actual indictment online yourself. As I always say, don't just take what I say for granted. Check it out. Go online. Find the facts. That's what WikiLeaks was about anyway. 
All the bullshit Swedish allegations have been dropped, not because he outweighed them, but because they were bullshit, pure and simple. That has been proved beyond doubt to anyone who wants to have a look and not just parrot the Murdoch press in trying to get its hashtag brownie points up. All the bullshit about he and WikiLeaks causing American deaths, not one has been cited. He's not being tried because he published unredacted information. That too has shown to be bullshit by the journos who sat beside him when he did it, often alone. He's not being extradited because he helped Trump win the election, because he colluded with Russia, or because he's an arrogant twat. All those allegations have been shown to be bullshit. As has the allegation made to me this morning, that he published a list of names of known gay people in Saudi Arabia that the Saudi Arabian government accessed. That too is bullshit. The Guardian, in fact, published the access key to that document by accident, they reckon. And the list was a leaked Saudi government document anyway. Saudi's got nothing new out of it. Well, okay, so if all, well not, all right, maybe they all proved to be bullshit, apart from the one, I want to talk about this for a moment, about his arrogance. I don't know about that, but if he is, maybe with a string of journalism and human rights awards under his belt, he's earned the right to attack, you know, a little bit of arrogance. Maybe if he wasn't just a bit arrogant, they would have utterly broken him by now. I'm certainly not going to crucify the personality of a bloke who changed the way true government information can be provided to the people. I'm not going to condemn that, condemn him, his personality, while he did all that, while he literally had all the hounds of hell on his ass. And anyway, um, obnoxious arrogance, if that's the way it's going to put it, and um, has never stopped most of you mobs supporting the likes of Bob Brown or John Pilger, both good people who didn't do good work, for, you know, granted. But bugger me, you want to talk about arrogance? Not to mention Australia's secular saint, Gough Whitlam, I guess, or his nemesis, the post-pension political turnabout of Malcolm Fraser. So if you're still one of the people using that line that you can't support Julian because you heard that he's arrogant and that was said to me as recently as this week, well, frankly, that's about the most arrogant fucking thing I've ever heard. And if that sounds arrogant, it's probably because I am a bit too, as are most of my best friends, in fact. And the bottom line, people, is that the Australian government has a role in this. As Andrew Wilkie put it, the Australian government has an obligation to intercede on behalf of its citizens just like they have for other citizens held by unjust laws in seven countries. Countries all whose names don't start with the word united, I've got to say. And yeah, by the way, Andrew Wilk will be joining us at the rally via video from London, where he'll be visiting Julian in Belmarsh. Hopefully we'll get a first-hand update on how he's doing. But at any rate, get ye down to the State Library of Victoria next Friday, uh, 21st of February at 6.30pm for two reasons. Firstly, to demand that your government act like a bloody government and defend its people's human rights. And secondly, to show some support and solidarity. Julian lived here in Melbourne, not a couple of miles from where the studio is, where I'm sitting at community radio station 3CR. WikiLeaks was born in Melbourne, and we know from the people that get to visit him, lawyers and family mainly, that he gives a lot of interest to what's happening here. As his lawyer, Jen Robinson, told us 
after seeing one of the most colourful events. It was the first time she'd seen him give a real smile in a long time. So, if for no other reason, come on down and send Julian some love. Okay, and I've got to remember to remind you that it is um, subscriber week here on Community Radio 3CR, and you should subscribe by calling in to 94198377 or going to 3cr.org.au and um, you can do your bit to keep um, Community Radio alive and well um, in Melbourne. Okay. Tom, we went to a card, I think. We jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio, and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What you need is we've got the hell. Lots of changes. We need more problems. Brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMARC. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 200 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminawaya Mawbohina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. Yeah, subscribe to 3CR. You heard the cart, 94198377. Now I've got a lot of friends out there who listen occasionally, um, listen on podcasts, um, and our podcasts are going to be up every Friday, by the way. Um, the podcasts are last Friday, Rave went up this morning. This one will go up next Friday morning, so they're always going to be available. I've just got to get my ass into gear and put some of the um, the previous ones up now, I guess. But um, I'd like to also say that Renegade Solidarity Sound System, you know, I'm, obviously I'm an individual subscriber, but you've got to put your money in your, the truth where, the, where your mouth is, and, you know, Renegade Solidarity Sound is also an um, organisational subscriber to Community Radio 3CR. And um, it's one of the reasons 3CR has clear sound to protest recently, I reckon, because we provide a feed for the... Um, 3CR reporters on site. 
But anyway, enough about all that. It's Valentine's Day. And when two friends recently told me they were getting married, I was absolutely overjoyed. So overjoyed that I had to stop and think about why I had that kind of reaction. You know, so maybe I'm prone to overthinking things. And that'll be a tray I share with quite a few of the people I know listen. It's not that I regard the institution of marriage in any kind of high or sacred, you know, thoughts, place. Been there, done that. And frankly, the whole marriage thing, as it's become in recent years, and even the equal marriage campaign, gave me the shits. Not because, I've got to say, I was against anyone getting married or anything. I reckon everyone has have the same rights and opportunities that I have as a straight white bloke in a first world country. That's why, like many of you, we do what we do and live the way we live. But it gave me the shits because it was based on the idea of marriage giving couples certain inalienable rights somehow. As much as it was about giving everyone equal rights, it seemed to me to be investing too much power in what I saw as an archaic institution. Also, I've got to say, the petulant activist in me was amazed at um, how a campaign could mobilise thousands of people chanting about human rights while their government was busy abusing human rights all over the world, including, of course, in the streets of Melbourne, to the bush and from West Papua to Syria and Palestine. Bugging me if we could get 100 people on the streets or writing letters or ringing the talkback airwaves or, jeez, even wanting to talk about most of the abuses. It was a populist middle-class campaign, and there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. It's just that personally, they shit me, and it's almost definitely a fault in my own personality. I'll cop that one. Nonetheless, sure, changing the laws about who has the right to get married to make whatever is available to one available to everybody can only be a good thing. But the inherent contradiction is that it actually empowered the institution of marriage, along with all the property laws, inheritance, rights of attorney, etc. And because the churches, every last one of them, were seen by all to be an interested party in the debate. Even though they ultimately lost the argument, of course, it actually helped entrench the role of the church in the popular discourse on, I was going to say morality, but not morality, on how people choose to live their lives. I don't know what the fuck they've got to do with it myself, but really, the preachers who supported equal marriage were lauded by the Yes campaign as heroes. Every bit as much as those who opposed it were lauded by the No's. Now, my take is it'd be better to abolish any special rights of capital, because that's what all these rights are, ultimately, um, what they're about. Abolish all special rights to people just because they've declared themselves a legally married couple. Actually, from a system perspective, it's just like a two-person company, isn't it? But not quite, because a company is limited in its liability, <laughs> marriage most certainly is not. What a marriage does under law is basically it forms a company structure of two people, but a company structure that has more obligations and less rights than, how can I put it, on oh, geez, on a company not based so much on fucking as on fucking over. Surely it would be advantageous to any couple wanting to ensure property rights, etc., to form a limited liability company together. You can buy a ready-made one off the shelf for a few grand, a lot more, less than most of the weddings um, I've been to. 
and the company can have a set of governing rules determine every conceivable situation's property succession and, of course, a wind-up clause that keeps the morality police at good arm's length. Indeed, such a company could keep existing profitably and to the benefit of both parties, both company owners, long after any romantic entanglements are over. There'd be no reason why you couldn't become a co-owner of a new company while an existing company was still chugging along nicely, at least in terms of engagement with the system. I guess what I'm saying is that by divorcing all the capitalist, all the system requirements from a relationship based on love, even though two people may actually be in a relationship, a romantic relationship, we're going to call it, as well as a legal one, seems to make sense, at least from a system perspective. Which is, after all, what the institution is about, yeah? So why was I so happy? I'll get back to my original question about two friends deciding to tie the knot and enter what I truly believe to be a archaic institution. Well, that's one of those inherent contradictions in what Joyce called, was it, the ineluctable modality of life, life's ineluctable modality, something like that. I think I was happy for them precisely because it is an archaic institution, and I'm sure they both know and agree that it is. Yet for whatever reason, without rhyme or reason, they're doing it anyway. Because for some reason they wouldn't declare their love in edices and act in unison publicly and share the nature of their relationship with all their friends at a party. And while I'm against institutions and the state, I'm a sucker for ritual and celebration. Our years are bound up, and time is kept by rituals. Whether we like it or not, whether it's birthdays, calendar year, Christmas or May Day, Ramadan or Invasion Day, we mark off the year by significant dates. Our lives are the same, and there are time-keeping episodes, good and bad. You know, births, weddings, divorces, car accidents, whatever. Recently, I was talking to an old mate, and other old friends came up, and their kids. One bloke in particular, we were trying to work out how old we'd be now, and all we could come up with, he was born after an undra, but before the Roxby blockade, which would make him about 36, we figured. For some of us, the rituals are major protests and campaigns. I made it really easy once and got married in the middle of a blockade. My point is that if we're going to, by necessity, if nothing else, milestone our lives by ritual, we may as well choose them. And all rituals have, of course, contradictions stacked in them like Russian dolls, you know. This came home even stronger, and I had to think even deeper when later, these friends of mine asked me to give a reading at their wedding. Of course, said I, with no idea of what I was going to read. So when I got home, I duly sat down to try to find an appropriate positive reading on the topic of marriage from an anarchist philosophical perspective. Bugger me, nothing. Nothing I could find. It would have been easier if these two friends were the same gender. There's plenty of life-affirming raves about marriage. But they're not, so all I could find were raves about oppression. Rant after rant about the role of marriage and the subjugation of women, of men, of children, of society... Um, of families, of society, for Christ's sake. Nothing positive. And that really hit me. Sure, the institution of marriage has been used as a tool of oppression, as has every other institution. The institution of, say, political parties. Yet many of us play in that ball pit. The institution of schools and education. But we also value their worth. I could go on about all the institutions, from religions to sports, but I won't. You get the picture. The point isn't the institutions. We collectively see the value in them. The problem is the way institutions are used. 
The point is that, you know, hetero marriage has a bad rap because of any number of reasons, though most of the reasons have to do with the nature of the relationship rather than the institution. And you've got to accept that, otherwise you wouldn't have been, you know, campaigning so hard for people to be able to get married regardless of their, um, the genders of the people involved. And there is a tendency against joy in the left. What's the time here? Where are we? There's a big note on the um, computer saying, use the computer clock, not the wall clock. So I'd better check it out. 5.25, 5 here on Community Radio 3CR. Anyway, where was I? The tendency against joy in the left. I guess we spend all our time and energy on all the misery that we forget. No, we don't forget. We almost feel guilty of having joy when so many others cannot. And this is largely based, I, I believe, on the middle class misapprehension that joy and oppression cannot exist simultaneously. And that has led to a very definite, almost puritanical attitude that has crept into our movement. Worse, a self-flagellation, really, a, an expected collective mea culpa, which finds its expressions in you know, all kinds of identity politics and in extremes have moved towards what's become known as deplatforming, but that's another rave entirely. And this in turn feeds on and is fed by the alienation that's rife in this culture, where we don't need anybody and nobody should need us except transactionally. When the truth is that we do need each other, not just in the sense of solidarity or collective action, because that is ultimately transactional after all, isn't it? We need each other to love which is to friendship what poetry is to writing and music. What, you know, song is to speech, I guess. It's a magic that happens without knowing why or how, or even giving a shit about why or how, for that matter, that transcends laws. It's a magic. And thoughts and formulas, like magic. As Tom Robbins put it, I guess, love is the ultimate outlaw. So I guess where I wanted to go with this, on this Valentine's Day, in a couple of minutes I have left, is that I was overjoyed when my friends decided to get married because in doing so they took the giant risk of exposing themselves to the scornful disapproval of their society. In the same way that people in other times and even now in other cultures have done, and do, when they eschew the institution and just live together. For what? For love, for joy, for magic, for celebration, for life. And fuck me, but I reckon that's the kind of things we're more in need of. Maybe I'll just read that. My name's been Jacob. This has been a Friday rave. I'll talk to you next week. Have a good day, everybody. And, um, yeah, I'll leave you with that. Remember to subscribe. As me mate Robbie Thorpe says. Oh, what does me mate Robbie Thorpe says? Let me click Hi, again. Hi, My name's Robbie Thorpe. Talk to you next I'm week. with 3CR Community Radio. Every year we have a subscription drive. It's a way of supporting our organisation maintain itself through the year and we rely on the support of the, the community. One way to do that is to subscribe and become a member. Become part of this organisation itself. Get in contact with 3CR. You can go to the website 3cr.org.au or you can ring on 9419 8377. 3CR ensures that our Aboriginal voices are heard on this radio station. So it's a good way of supporting Aboriginal people as well by becoming a subscriber for 3CR Community Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.